into the contest. It's Tuesday the 21st of June. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. And uh, Shane, I, I went to see the new Top Gun movie, Josie and myself and, and the three kids. It was a big family outing. And I tell you what, and this is controversial, this is highly controversial, I liked it more than the first one. Wow. Well, mate, I'm... Don't tell me what happens. Um, I can't wait to go and see it. Tom, my son, and I, on Friday night, we watched the first one. He hadn't seen it. Um, and I forgot how good that movie was, number one. So I'm very excited now to see number two, mate. I can't wait to get to the movies. I might even go and do the 7D one, Tim, where they the, the seats shake as well and they spray water over you, and that should be fun. Oh, really? I didn't uh, yeah. didn't even know that existed, that one. <laughs> I, I do know about the gold class where you could sit back and eat free popcorn, but uh, I'm fading away to a block of flats, so I decided not to do that. But, uh, yeah, look, I won't give the plot away, but, mate, as I always say, you can be my wingman. All right, on today's show, Travis Head, he's ready to play test cricket again. Nick Kyrgios climbs the world rankings ahead of Wimbledon, and Maroons make a couple of changes. Whether it's for early morning coffee and pastries, long business lunches or post-work cocktails, head to District Brasserie in Sydney's CBD. With a modern Australian menu created to hero locally sourced produce and a unique offering of charred meats cooked on a custom-built charcoal oven. Situated on the ground floor of Chifley Tower, District Brasserie is open from 6.30am Monday to Friday for breakfast, lunch and dinner. District Brasserie, sophisticated yet casual. Plenty of cricket going on in Sri Lanka and uh, Travis Head, uh, there were question marks at the international level around him. Uh, Of course, he had a stellar summer uh, last summer. He's one of these guys that's obviously acknowledged that there might have been a couple of things he he worked hard on them, and he's just firing, ready to go uh, to play Test cricket. Yeah, he looks good. He had a very good uh, summer, as you mentioned, Tim, last year. Great Ashes series. Um, mm. Travis uh, hails from South Australia and plays on a very, very good batting wicket down there at Adelaide Oval, um, and had a very, very good summer under Australian conditions. There's always been a question mark over his technique against spinners. Uh, hence why he was over there touring with the Australia race side before the call-up. He's got a really good 70 in Australia's defeat, actually. Australia losing the, the one-day series over there 2-1. Australia scoring six for 291, and, and the Sri Lankans chased that down quite easily. Um, Matt Kuhlerman went for six and over, the young spinner. Uh, one for none for sixty six, and uh, and Maxwell went for some runs as well. But uh, you had um, head, I should say, in good contention for the first test. Yeah, well, you mentioned spinners, and uh, it's in all likelihood that we will go with two spinners for at least one of these test matches. And Nathan Lyon has backed Mitchell Swepson to partner him in Sri Lanka. Yeah, I think Mitchell Swepson did a really good job in Pakistan. He only got two wickets versus Lyons 12 over there, but they bowled really well in tandem um, and a really, really good combination. It's also good to see Lyons sticking up for a, for a fellow spinner. I think you really need that within the team. Um, look, he's still got a lot of work to do. It's really, really hard for a young spinner to bowl against the subcontinent batsmen in their own conditions. That's where they play best. Um, so he's really got to be on his game, but he can only get better by this experience. I've got a funny feeling that Nick Kyrgios might have a real tilt at Wimbledon this year. I remember reporting on it all those years ago when he was a young man and nearly went the distance. There's something about the way that he is playing at the moment. We know about the love-hate relationship he has with the game, but he's in a sweet spot. 
He definitely is. Look, he said he's the, one of the best, uh, or the best uh, grass t- court tennis player in the world. And look, he's he did well once again this lead up tournament. Um, he goes up twenty spots in the world rankings to number forty five now. Still quite away from his best of thirteen. Um, and the way he lost this match too uh, in the semi final was was you know, just a tough one. He lost a, th- a third set tiebreak. Um, so look, he's doing everything right. Saying that, Tim, we just don't know. He could come out first round and just implode. But uh, look, he's in really good form going into Wimbledon. I'd love to see him do well. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, me too. I, I, I would. He, he annoys the living yeah. shit out of all of us at times. But um, when he's on, he's on. Uh, what, what about this Ru- Russian doubles player? Of course, we know about the Wimbledon band. Different tournaments have made different judgment calls on whether or not they're going to allow Russian players and Belarusian players to be a part of their tournaments. Well, at Wimbledon, there is a band, but... Uh, Natila Zaladimitz has come out and she's found a way around it. She's basically gone to her heritage and said, well, I'm not Russian. I'm from Georgia. (laughs) Just changed the passport. Pretty simple, wasn't it? Um, And and got around it. It just goes to show it's... uh it's really, really hard to police, I suppose, this sort of thing. And uh, look, she goes in. There's going to be a lot of Russian tennis players that are going to be really, really annoyed with this. And I think her turning it, her turning her back on the, the, the mother, the mother country. Yeah, uh, the um, there might be a few others that can find some um, other heritage as mm. well. To be honest with you, uh, now we've seen a lot of great soccer in Scotland, and our focus has been a lot little. Uh, more observant with Ange Postacoglu over there at Celtic. Uh, we've seen one of our Socceroos players now, uh, Kai Rolls, who was outstanding the other day. Yeah. He's heading across to play at Hearts. And, uh, you know, th- this is a great move. That's the thing about this game. You really need to start heading overseas if you're going to take it to another level. And I think it's a really, really good move from from um, from Kai. And to go into Scottish League where it's a really, really tough league, he's a, he's a back um, so he'll come up against some really tough uh, opponents over there. I think that bodes really, really well for the Socceroos and, and the role that he'll play within the World Cup. I had a hit of golf yesterday at Eleonora, and uh, the first nine holes, I tell you what, you wouldn't have thought I'd ever played golf before. It was just an absolute <laughs> misery. Um, I finally started to get it together on the back nine, but it's a tough game. And when you see a shot like Matt Fitzpatrick played at the US Open, uh, even Jack Nicholas has come out and said one of the greatest golf shots he's ever seen. An absolute beauty. Cometh the hour, cometh the man, as they say. Yeah, Fitzpatrick winning uh, his first time on the PGA Tour. Uh, he was at some real good um, opposition with fast finishing Will Zatoris and um, and Scotty uh, Scheffler as well was in there in and around the, the leaderboard. But with a one-shot lead into the last, he, he hooked his uh, drive into the bunker and then the recovery shot to put it within inches of the pin to uh, to end up with a with a par to win his first PGA tournament was an absolute cracker. Yeah, to finish it the way he did because yeah. you know when they play off these beautiful manicured fairways, they can put spin and adjust yep. the way that the ball moves on the green. But out of the sand, you can't do that. It was uh, yeah, quite extraordinary. Stay with us because we've got plenty more to come: NRL, AFL, and much, much more. This Jordan Degoe story doesn't seem to be going away at Collingwood, Shane. It doesn't at all, mate. Collingwood have pulled their uh, offer to Degoe, which adds up to about $3.2 million over four years. Uh, he's on $800,000 a year. He was given a two-year extension with a trigger to uh, force another further two years on that contract. 
but due to the thing in Bali, they've just said that they're not going to um, uh, potentially adhere to that agreement, and that would mean it doesn't mean he can't stay with the Magpies, but right now. There's no certainty for his career at that club. Yeah, he made Degoe from Collingwood. Um, yeah. You get that one? Made Degoe. Yeah, I, I like it. I got it, yeah. Oh, he'll be Degoe if he does it again. <laughs> oh, good dad joke. Uh, NRL. Um, Billy Slater, obviously pretty happy with the performance in the first game. Queensland won up. They head to Perth. Oh, they'd be on their way to Perth. And they play this weekend. Only a couple of changes, seven changes for New South Wales. We articulated that yesterday. But uh, Billy's had to make a couple. Only two changes with Joy Arrow and um, Murray Talungi. Um, but two big losses. You have to say, Ruben Cotter, who made a fantastic start to his origin career, uh, is out with a with a hamstring. And Xavier Coates with um, syndemosis injury. So that, that's two big losses for Slater's team. But, yeah. They're pretty, two decent replacements there as well. Every time I hear Ruben Cotter, it takes me back to yeah. Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> welcome back to, uh, you know, John Travolta. And, uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, and Damien Cook will start on the bench for New South Wales. He will. Uh, Freddie doesn't muck around, does he? So in comes um, Corusai, uh and Matt Burton will make his debut at centre. Um, and Talakai will also make his debut for the Blues. As you mentioned yesterday, Jake Travojevic coming back in will sort of give us some experience at, at origin level there. Um, a lot of changes, and the, the Blues have got a lot to do. Well, last time they went to Perth, they made seven changes, and they went on to win the series. Mm. So, fingers yep. crossed, um, Freddie, he's uh, done some magical stuff in the past. He's been slammed by some, as always happens, particularly in uh, Sydney Rugby League media. But uh, it's all on them to make it happen on Sunday against Queensland. Now, Luke Brooks, he's, he looks like he might even get dropped at the West Tigers. Well, Kamali's come in, and uh, this is the first time Luke Brooks has been dropped in 10 years. You have to say, he's been given 10 years with very, very little success, so he's had a pretty bloody good run. And when you're the half, you're sort of in control of the game. Now, it's not all his fault. He's had a lot of players leaving around him, had some poor performances. Um, but, yeah, you have to say that uh, when you're given a charge to guide your team around the paddock and you haven't done a good job in 10 years, you probably deserve to get dropped, I would say. Yeah, you can't continue to blame no. the ruck and, and no. you know, forwards controlling it. He's such a talented player, and I called him as a schoolboy player commentary, and uh, Andrew mm. John said that he was the best player he's seen uh, at that level, and he reminded him of him. He certainly hasn't lived up to those expectations. No. Now, Wallabies coach Dave Rennie, doesn't like this whole idea of the Super Rugby Pacific competition being axed and can see the game going south rather than north with something like this. Look, I totally agree with him, and uh, I think this guy gets it. Uh, uh, the chairman, Hamish McKellen, McKellen has uh, basically pulled the rug on this because of financial reasons. It's a big, big call. Rennie said that they want the players to play against the best players, and a lot of the best players in the world of rugby come from the Pacific region. I think if we're not playing against these guys, it's going to be really, really hard for us to get better. Yeah, well done to Lewis Hamilton. And he seems happy again, doesn't he? It's amazing how a week can change things in sport. You know, all the call of the car being a shitbox and everything else. <laughs> He's finished third at the Canadian Grand Prix and very, very happy. He, he looked like he, his old self. Obviously, didn't win, but um, to get on the podium... Well, mate, you just you just needed part of his team to come and do a, a bit of fine tuning on our sigmas that we mentioned. We had the 
a Sigma's growing up with the shit box there, mate. So maybe if we got his team to work and tinker around on it, but maybe we could have won an F1 as well. Yeah, I remember. I, I, that is a, that's a true story. In Goulburn for six months, I didn't have enough money to fix the reverse, so I had to drive forwards in the champagne-coloured Sigma station wagon. It was a bit of an anecdote of life, wasn't it? You couldn't stand still. So I parked far enough away from a car or a wall, and if someone backed back on me, I had to wait for two hours before I could get out. Anyway, but uh, yep. yeah, Lewis Hamilton back, and he said, look, there's a lot more to come. So they, they have tinkered with that car. They've got it they've got it um, moving to a point where it's competitive. So um, we may not have seen the last of Lewis Hamilton standing on top of the podium going forward. Now, uh, what about Mike Tyson? More on this fight on the plane, pissed and high. <laughs> so here's a note, guys. If you're on a plane with Mike Tyson and he's pissed and high, don't fucking wind him up because <laughs> he'll belt the hell out of you. Uh, it's funny, Mike Tyson, he, he just – can do whatever he wants this bloke and get away with murder and he keeps he gets more famous and makes more money by the more stupid things he does and uh yeah but if you're on a plane with him and he's off his head don't wind him up because he'll yeah. punch your head in i don't reckon i would wind him up under any circumstances <laughs> no. would you like sort of, forewarned is forearm well, looking yeah. at the vision of that bloke going back we're going back a couple of months now but he was goading him and i just I don't think it would have been a matter if he was as straight as straight. Mike Tyson still might have flipped. All right, mate, finishing off today, I mentioned my golf game yesterday, which was rubbish. Uh, you've had a hit with the great Corey Peaches Pearson, the man that uh, put Fred Flintstone into rugby league with those dancing feet. He had very, very small steps, didn't he, when he ran the ball up uh, as a front rower. But uh, I had a really good game of golf with uh, with three good mates. Corey Pearson was my partner. I call him, I call him Corey Callaway now, mate. He's, he's bought all new golf gear. He's Callaway. He's, yeah, he's 5000 bucks worth of, worth of golf gear. He's dripping in Callaway uh, apparel. Um, we played against uh, Ron Ryan, a former first-grade footballer, Ronnie Ryan, Ronnie Ryan and yes. Keithy Farrell, two great blokes. And uh, we had a round at Moore Park. Now, look, Timmy, I... I'll say first that Corey and I, we won the skins. We won seven skins to zero. So we were very happy with the result. But I'll tell you what, it was under some duress because Ron Ryan, the two older guys, really put us under the pump. I've never been experienced what it was like to be in Gallipoli, right, and getting dropped off and being rained on with bullets. But have you ever been hit in a cart by a golf ball, Tim? Um, maybe sometime over the line, but uh, no injuries sustained. Well, twice. Twice by Ron Ryan, and it just went like this and went bang, and then he said four, twice. So, <laughs> it's a bit of a war out there, mate, but uh, no, it was really good fun. We went around, and uh, we'll be resuming that challenge in the coming weeks. Saving private Ron Ryan. I remember him. He played a bit for Balmain. He's quite a character himself. He is. does a very good Ray Warren. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our wonderful sponsors. Our fantastic sponsors, District Brasserie, and we'll be there this Thursday recording lunch with Lee. Can't wait, Timmy. And, of course, our wonderful producer, Mr Dan McHugh, will be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.